and what we really reinforce is the importance of choosing the right investors for the type of exit that, that you want to have. Um, and we also believe that there's there's good deals to be made by getting an M&A transaction or a trade sale transaction within the first two or three years. Founders get paid, investors get paid, uh, the companies kind of grow into something else. And that's that's just a natural part of a well-functioning ecosystem. Hey everyone, this is Prashant and I'll be your host of the VC10X podcast. And today we have Christian Rangian with us. Christian is the chairman and co-founder at Link Capital, one of the most active investors in the Nordic region. In this episode, we talk about investment thesis at Link Capital, Nordic startup ecosystem, why startups need to think about exit strategy from the very early stages, how to pick the right investors to navigate towards an exit, Christian's biggest learning investing in startups over the years, and lots more. So without wasting any time, let's dive straight in. Hey Chris, so good to have you on the VC10X podcast. How are you doing? Thank you. I'm good. Great to be here. Yeah, pleasure hosting you on the podcast and talking about the Nordic startup ecosystem. Uh, before we dive into it, can we first have your story and how you started investing? It's a great, great question. I think like like all of us, you know, we, we start small and then we build bigger. So I started uh, early stage investing about 15, 16 years ago. Uh, small angel tickets, getting involved with the startup ecosystem, getting involved with Startup Weekend and just building from there. Great. That's awesome. And how you got to starting uh, Link Capital. Can you give us a story about that as well? So that is a, um, that's opening for, for an excellent, uh, excellent series of, uh, of, of questions. And I think our first fund, which we tried to set up around 2015, didn't even get off the ground. Like, like we, we were missing everything, legal structure, advisors, regulatory, everything. Uh, and then a few months later, we tried to do a second fund uh, and we realized we had the complete wrong people. And then our third fund, which was linked um, fund number one, that got started in 2016 and really got off the ground in 2017. And since we have done fund number two, and we are now on fund number three. Uh, but it was really trying to trying to fix that the missing link in the Nordic ecosystem between uh, friends, family, angels, and the first institutional capital in. So that's why we started and that's how we got started great and therefore the name link capital right exactly great 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 uh now let's talk about your investment thesis at link capital sure so we have uh, three funds and fund number one and two have been largely generalist tech funds where we have been investing into various software platforms uh climate tech energy tech um, aquaculture tech, so really broad-based technology. Uh, for fund number three, which we're investing out of now, we are very much a energy transition fund with a thesis around electric mobility, energy software, and clean energy transition. And we are a pan-European fund with investments, networks, LPs, GPs, uh, pretty much all over. Great. Uh, that's very interesting. And now let's also discuss the startup ecosystem in the Nordic region as you are one of the most active investors in that region. So can you give us a glimpse of uh, how vibrant is the startup ecosystem there and what are the maybe the most uh, 
active sectors in the Nordic region? Of course, you know, the, the, the Nordics as an investment region has really been changing. And today, like you say, it is a very vibrant uh, ecosystem. There's a lot of deals. There's good exits. And you have everything that you would hope to see. Well, when we started investing and building about 15 years ago, you know, this was not the case. Uh, we we built out one of the first co-working spaces. We built out one of the first accelerator programs. We built out a venture uh, building studio uh, many years ago. Uh, when, when 500 startups first came to the Nordics to set up uh, shop, uh, you know, we we followed them, we helped them, we introduced them, and it was just difficult for everyone. Like like every piece of the ecosystem was less mature. Uh, today, it has been growing, you know, pretty much exponentially, uh, and there's a lot more experience. There's a lot more high quality deals. There's a lot of very knowledgeable investors, and it is actually a very very good place for early stage investors. That's that's great. And what's the most uh, popular sectors or what do most startups look like? Like every country or region has their own flavor of startups. So what's the flavor in the Nordic region? Uh, the flavor in the Nordic is, is very much tech. So broad-based technology companies. Now, where I am on the west coast of Norway, we have some of the biggest energy companies in the world. So you'll find a lot of energy tech, energy transition, cl- clean tech, Um but looking at the Nordics as a whole, uh, you'll find fintech, health tech, biotech, life sciences, uh, platforms, marketplaces, so very broad-based tech ecosystem. Great. And another question I'd like to learn about is uh, how is entrepreneurship promoted in that region? Is it being taught in colleges or is it also something that uh, you know working professionals are looking forward to, right? So we'd like to understand how this trend is coming up. Like over the years, how has the startup ecosystem matured in that region? What has been the major reason for that coming of age, right? Well, just like you said, it it has been maturing. Uh, And there are many reasons for this. Uh, One reason, obviously, is, you know, we're we're looking around the world and we see a lot of value creation and value capture happening for early stage companies. Uh, But I think the defining moment for Norway, which, of course, is just a small part of the Nordics, was around 2014. We had the uh, oil and gas crisis. So in the span of a few months, the oil price went from 115 a barrel to $29 a barrel. And thousands and thousands of people got laid off or lost their job. Uh, and sort of in that transition period, 2014, 15, 16, we just had this, this, this spring of incubators, accelerators, venture funds, angel networks, like the whole lifestyle, the whole ecosystem just went boom. Um, so if there's one thing that we could pinpoint, it was really the the oil and gas crisis that sparked a lot of things in Norway. But it is part of a longer term trend where all the of the Nordics uh, are, are developing. And today, of course, you know there are so many meetups and so many networks, uh, pretty much every university, every business school, everyone will be teaching entrepreneurship. Um, and you will find, you know, unicorn founders and, and super angels. And you, you have all the building blocks right here. Yeah, that sounds great. And uh, like, uh, let's let's talk about the companies that you're investing in through the Link Capital Fund, right? So what exact things are you looking for in those companies uh, while making the investment decision? So, so again, in, in our funds, number one and, and two, 
we have about, let's say, just over 50 companies, about 55 companies in total. Uh, and these companies are largely Nordic tech companies. Uh, for fund number three, which we're investing out of right now, we are looking for companies within, again, the energy transition. So uh, electric mobility, uh, EV charging, solar, batteries, smart energy software solutions. And there's, there's such a strong deal flow. It's, it's, it's crazy. Um, and we are looking for, for five kind of factors. So number one, energy transition. Number two, software or a significant component of software. Uh, number three, can this thing um, scale? So, so does the founders have what it takes to scale this? Number four, which we call the uh, magic milestone, which is one of our internal metrics that we, that we work on. Uh, and then finally, the exit potential. Uh, and we do a lot of work around the exit potential from day number one. So those are the five things we're looking for right now. Great. And uh, are, are the Nordics mostly building for the region or are they building for the world? Yeah, they're absolutely building for the world. Absolutely. Um, now, there's a, there's a convenience about a home market. So so many companies will quite quickly and naturally go to the other uh, other Nordics. But, you know, to get scale, you got to go out of your home markets. Absolutely. Very true. And uh, you talked about uh, the exit potential, right? So how are you trying to assess that? That what's the exit potential for this startup that's maybe still in the early stages? So I, I think there's a, there's a big misunderstanding in terms of can an early stage company even talk about exits? And some people say, no, it doesn't make sense. Like you're, you're too young, you're too immature. While others, including us, will say, no, you can absolutely, like, we believe that you have to know and you have to understand the exit options, the exit routes, and the partners and people that will take you there. So when we assess any investment, you know, we, we do multiple exercises and multiple levels of analysis around potential outcomes, around potential exit routes, uh, around the, the key partners and investors that will help you get there. And I think the part of the reason is that what we've seen in the Nordics is a lot of early stage companies go public quite early. So you can have a company that, you know, maybe in the US would go for a series A, so a big series A, or this company may actually choose to go public in the Nordics. Um, and of course, generating much faster liquidity for, for investors and so on. But I think the most important thing for us is most founders are naturally not experienced with exits. Uh, so when they're starting, you know, kind of a startup journey, they don't really understand what that exit side of the equation look like. And our job is to help them, coach them, guide them to understand that the exit is a big part of your strategy from day number one. So we put a, we put a lot of work into that question. Absolutely. Yeah. I've heard some of the VCs, even on the podcast say that, uh, that early we don't look at the exit strategy or we don't ask that question that what's the exit strategy but maybe we internally as a team think about that uh, but I think like uh, every entrepreneur uh, should be having that at least in their mind that what's the long-term ultimate outcome they're looking for right and what's the pathway to that and only when you know what you're working towards then you can actually see the pathway from point a to point b so it's uh, always good to have that. So ha has it ever happened that they were not aware that what's an exit strategy, right? And then you had to tell them that, okay, as investors, we are looking for an exit. That's the end outcome. So 
and these are the potential ways in which you can get an exit. So you should be thinking on those lines as well. Yeah, so 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 we have those conversations even at the due diligence stage. Um, and what we really reinforce is the importance of choosing the right investors for the type of exit that that you want to have. Um, and we also believe that there's there's good deals to be made by getting an M and A transaction or a trade sale transaction within the first two or three years. Founders get paid, investors get paid. Uh, the company is kind of grow into something else. And that's that's just a natural part of a well-functioning ecosystem. Absolutely, that's correct. And I think as an ecosystem, we should also like uh, promote early exits because later exits are becoming the trend these days that okay, everyone is chasing a million billion dollar valuation, right? Becoming a unicorn. Uh, but I think there, there are uh, big successes to still be had in case you just go for an early stage M&A, right? Something like that. Uh, so, like you just mentioned, one thing that we tell them that there are uh, different kinds of investors that you should target depending on what's the kind of exit that you're looking for, right? Can you can you throw more light on that? Uh, how, how does that differ? Like, let's say I want uh, to go for an M&A kind of exit. Then how, how does that impact the kind of investor I should be targeting? Yeah. It's a good 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 question. So, if we, if we simplify it a little bit. You have your angel investors, and, and and no angel investor is going to be leading much work around an exit. Uh, there is very very unlikely that an angel investor will acquire you eventually. So so you can bring in angel investors, but they're not going to be really helpful towards the exit stage. Then we have a little bit more later stage VCs. Now the good VCs they have a lot of exit networks. If you go with the corporate, you need to understand whether you are a big strategic fit for the corporate or not. And, and you can bring in a corporate at a pre-seed stage and you can have discussions with them like, you know, if we reach certain milestones, what would a potential acquisition look like? Uh, or you can bring in a private equity firm. They would typically come in, you know, at a B series, maybe an A series. And, and the private equity firm will say, you know, we are interested in acquiring 51% today. And then we have a, a, a sort of a model that will take us towards 100%. Uh, or a lot of our companies are working with infrastructure funds. So we can um, even, again, at a, at a seed, maybe a seed plus, uh, maybe a pre-series A, we can bring in an uh, infrastructure fund. And the infrastructure fund, again, will typically invest for 51% ownership. And then they'll have a stepping stone towards a full exit. So I think that understanding the exit landscape for your thesis, for your industry, and for your geography uh, is really important. Right, that's that's very interesting. So, uh, let's talk about the part where you talk, uh, talked about like uh, a private equity firm taking or an infrastructure fund taking a fifty-one percent ownership. Right, at what stage of the company is that that kind of a deal possible? That is a brilliant question. So, uh, the most recent transaction that we have in in one of our funds uh, is a Norwegian company called What If EV, and they got started. And then exactly 14 months later, they had raised a 52 million euro transaction for 51% ownership from a French infrastructure fund. And that, that means that in, in less than one and a half years, they were able to raise pre-seed, seed, and then do a infrastructure transaction. Very interesting. That's, that's great. 
uh, and does like when that kind of a deal happens, like it's mostly the majority ownership of the company is changing at this point. So how does the structure of the company change? Is, is it the same leadership or everything remains the same? It's just the ownership that is changing or are there more things that are changing at that point? So of course that, that will depend. Uh, but in this specific deal and also in general, uh, it is really just the ownership uh, and you can expect to typically get two new board members representing the, the new owner. Um, and then as long as the management team can deliver on the plan, there's no reason to to be replacing them. Uh, but you may have founders that say, you know, I'm a founder. I like to start companies. And now that we're at this stage, I'm going to leave and we'll bring in more professional management. That's that's also a possibility. Right. That's great. So after that point, there are no further rounds that are raised. It's mostly the private equity fund or the infrastructure fund that will take care of the financing of the company from there on, right? So, so, so that can vary a little bit, but what you usually have is that you have, let's call it financial uh, infrastructure investor transaction number one. And then once you reach certain milestones, you will have transaction number two for adding more equity. And then depending on the company, there may be an IPO at the end of, of a couple of years. Got it. Got it. Very interesting. Great. And I think this is one aspect I think that uh, a lot of entrepreneurs need to need to be coached on that I think they, uh, most entrepreneurs uh, like if you build something tangible enough and you've you've been through it for two to three years been in the grind and you've built something susta- uh, substantial and I think you should be a- able to get an exit at that point and a good exit right it's not like a bad exit right and I think this possibility that that's also there this is also an option this needs to be promoted more and i think th- this is good for everyone right it's good for your investors it's good for you you get an early exit now maybe you're free to do more things or you have less stress right because you have al- already had one positive outcome so i think this is something that more founders need to be aware of right so thanks for sharing this this aspect right all right so now uh, let's talk about uh portfolio support so once you have invested in a company how do you support them and uh, getting successful or getting to a successful like exit that, like you said. So we have a very structured process for this that we have built over the years. And we basically, you can imagine a continuum that has almost no support because they don't need it. And gradually over to, we take active management roles. So someone from our team can actually go in and become the CEO or the CFO or, or whatever is needed. Um, we usually develop a plan together with the company of how we are going to work together, how we're going to support them. Uh, Sometimes we take board seats. Sometimes we bring in other board members. Um, But I think the biggest value add that we have is around follow-on financing, uh, getting the company investment ready for the next stage. Uh, We run a series of programs, uh, including a one-month link fundraising sprint where we take the companies in cohorts like a mini accelerator where we take them through a very dedicated program to help them raise the next uh, amount of funding right so the accelerator is focused on fundraising uh, or is it overall fundraising no, right only, only fundraising right and uh, how, how does the accelerator work is it like you're taking a fee or any percentage equity so how, how does that work? Yeah. No. So, so this is available only to our portfolio companies. 
And, and once they are in, there's no fee, there's no equity. Um, and what we do is we work with them for four weeks. Right. Uh, we 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 recommend that they have a team of founders, management, and board members, mm-hmm. and they have to commit to around thirty hours per week for four weeks. Thirty hours per week. Great, great, great. So is it more one-on-one coaching that's happening or is it recorded content? How is that? No, we, yeah, good, 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 good question. So, so the majority of work happens in cohort-based groups. So we take between five and 10 companies per cohort. Right. Uh, and we work with them very closely, uh, mostly in plenary sessions, uh, but also in one-on-one sessions. Great, great. That's great. Uh, and, and like... Let me ask you this. So what's what's the aspect that you think that founders need the most help with? Or what's that insight the founders need when it comes to fundraising and going for the next round? What do they need, they need to be coached about the most, right? There, there's a lot of things. Uh, the, the single most important part that we focus on is you need to have a real capital strategy and you need to develop it much earlier. So, so the, the biggest two mistakes that we see, number one, founders start too late um, and they don't really allocate enough time and focus to it. And as a, as a consequence, they end up with bad options, bad term sheets, and they're starting to run out of time. So we provide them with a very, very solid playbook. We have a methodology with five phases, 40 steps. And if you work through those steps, we will get you to a great outcome. That's great. And what are you trying to optimize for? Is it the valuation that you're trying to optimize for or is it good terms, that's it? It's finding the right investors. So okay. yep. optimizing for valuation is, is not very relevant. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you want to have, have somewhere between a 2x and a 4x uptick since the last round. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but it's really about finding the right investors that can work and bring value to the company. Great. That's great. That's a great model. Uh, all right. So there's another thing that you run, uh, run at Link Capital, and that's called Link Evergreen, right? Uh, which is a, a fund of funds model. So can you tell us more about it? Sure. So, so again, we have multiple funds within that, within the Link family. And one of those funds, like you mentioned, is Link Evergreen. And Link Evergreen is basically our own um, fund of funds, and it's been set up as a uh, you know, evergreen uh, vehicle, and we are using it to invest into other funds, uh, partially to learn, partially to build collaboration networks, partially to um, get access to you know people and partners that we may not be able to work with. Um, but we are we are in a situation where we have the possibility to deploy a little bit of money into supporting other funds and the larger ecosystem. And we're very happy to do so. And we've, we've learned a lot from, from those investments. That's great. So what are the kind of funds that you're investing in? Uh, and only, is it only in the Nordic region or is it open throughout the world? Well, it's, it's open throughout Europe. So, so again, you know, we, our, our network and, and our focus is, is really Europe um, slash a little bit into the US, a little bit into a few places, but, but largely Europe. Uh, and we are focused on impact, uh, climate, sustain- sustainability, and technology. Those are the kind of the four areas. Great, that's great. 
Uh, and do you have any exciting portfolio companies that you'd like to mention on the podcast? So we have uh, we we have many. Uh, I think the the most ambitious uh, is a Dutch Dutch Norwegian offshore floating solar company. It's called Solar Duck. Um, I had the pleasure of meeting them about two and a half years ago, and today they are the the market leader. They are the category leader in offshore floating solar. And, and we believe that offshore floating solar is going to be just as big as offshore floating wind. So by 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 taking a you know meaningful stake in in this company, we are genuinely big believer in the future of solar energy, onshore, and at sea. That's great. Sounds very exciting. Um, all right. So I'll, that this is this will be my last main question before we move on to the rapid fire round. Uh, and so since you've been uh, at the forefront of running Link Capital, now one of the most active VC funds uh, in the Nordic region, right? So w- what are some of your biggest learnings from, like like you said, failing to raise the fund the first couple of times and now making it into a very successful fund with multiple funds running? So what's your biggest learnings from that? Great, great question. I think that the single biggest learning is when we invest we need to start working with the portfolio companies right away, like 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 instantly. Like, uh, here is a term sheet. Here is the investment papers. Let's start working next week. Uh, because we we see that companies where we come in with, with a minor investment and we may be busy, they may be busy, so we don't really get started. It's actually really hard to catch up and, and time is ticking. So our recommendation is, is always when you raise, say, a, a pre-seed or a seed round, you should get your next round completed in six to nine months. And working backwards from that, that means that you need to get started right now. And I had, I had one, of my, one of my founders on the podcast earlier today, and he said, when we were closing or before we were closing our seed round, we were already working on the next round. Very interesting. And, um, and that, that helps you, you know, get uh, capital in faster. It helps you build momentum and it allows you to, to pick up the speed. So working with the companies earlier and accelerating the, the funding rounds, that is two of our biggest learnings. That's great. And would like to dig deeper into like, how can you be raising a round and also simultaneously be working on the next round? How, how do you do, do that in practice? So um, it's all about investor relationships. A lot of founders believe that it's mostly about the deck um, it's mostly about the KPIs. We believe it's mostly about the investor relationships. And that means, uh, for example, if, if, if you are closing a seed round now, I mean, you're busy with the paperwork and you're busy with, with sort of the closing lawyers and stuff, you should already be having conversations with your A-series investors. Um, and what happens is when you close a successful funding round, you have momentum. Good founders will take that momentum and turn it into their next funding round much quicker. Uh, and when we observe this in, in practice, and we, and we call this the magic milestone, it actually puts you on a very different trajectory as opposed to kind of race around, spend it, spend it, spend it, spend it, and then you go race the next one. So you got you to gotta, you gotta get into the fundraising quicker without having crazy valuations because that just puts you on the, on the bench eventually. Right, right. Love that. Love that insight, right? Uh, all right, now let's move on to the rapid fire round, wherein I'll ask you five quick questions 
about the investing that you're doing at Link Capital and you have to give five quick answers. Sounds good. All right. So the first one is what are the sectors and regions you invest in? Europe, energy transition. Great. Uh, what's the typical stage of investment? Uh, Precedency. What's the typical check size? Big range from 100,000 euro up to potentially 5 million euro. Usually uh, around a million euro. Great. Uh, where can founders apply in case uh, there is a direct way? Apply for funding. Yeah. Linkcapital.no. That gets you to our website, gets you to our database. But it's really about the network. Great. And lastly, where can our listeners follow you? LinkedIn, by far the most active platform. Great. I'll make sure to put all those links in the show notes below. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast, sharing such amazing insights, uh, and happy investing. Thank you very much and keep up the great work you're doing for sure. Thank you. My pleasure. <laughs>